position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Welcome to episode number 357. Of the best Linux Games Podcast! Being recorded for you on this Sunday, the 29th of August, 2021, at 2.46 p.m. Pacific Coast Time, left coast, coast with the most crack engineer, Ivor Molina, pow, over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign, Ivor, you're going to be the death of me. Well, I'm probably going to be the death of me. I've already been the death of you, because you're fired, by the way. Mmm, whiskey, mmm. Good whiskey. Ah! That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends. 2021, 08, 29, 14, 14, 17, 17, no less than two features, which is something that I we've come close to doing. I don't know if we've ever done before, but we're doing it today. We're doing it today, now, right fucking now, today. Uh, so let's get straight to our top stories. Uh, going broke this week from an embarrassment of riches in the video game 
uh, universe. Uh, lots of new and expensive and some inexpensive tiles came out, uh, that have come out this week. And I, you know, I, unless otherwise stated, I pay for every fucking game that we cover on this show. Um, back in the day when I wrote for the paper, it was great. One of my favorite moments ever at the paper, um, was getting my copy of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas sent to me by Rockstar with their full PR kit which included a ski mask and casino chips uh, Grove Street for life by the way beer 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 knife 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 beer beer knife beer 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 knife 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 beer 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 knife 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 beer 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 Grove Street for life um and on that same day, uh, Casador's Tequila sent their actual local PR monkey to my house to hand deliver me a bottle of their new tequila at the time. I can't remember what the fuck it was. Uh, I earned a mention in my column because of that. And so I, that was a great weekend. <laughs> But anyway, those days are long gone. Uh, uh, because I was also a bar critic at the paper. Uh, I loved being a bar critic. It was the best. Way better, way easier, way more fun than having to beat a video game every single week and write up a full review in fucking 700 words. It was a difficult job. Four years of that will drive you out of your fucking mind. Uh, well, actually, no, five years of that will drive you out of your fucking mind. Now, I do much more work. This is this show is like 17 times more work than uh, writing for the paper, and the pay is terrible here. But anyway, so I have to pay for these games, and a lot of games came out this week. And a lot of them came out at shockingly, well, one of them came out at a shockingly high fucking, uh, cover price, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, actually, we'll get to it right now. Uh, For that reason, we're having two features this week. I mean, this is crazy that, like, anything is splitting the bill with uh, our first feature, which is the sequel to one of my favorite games ever made of all time ever, Tim Schafer's and Double Fine's Magnificent Psychonauts 2 is splitting the bill with another title? Yes, it is, my friends. It is splitting the bill with Aliens Fireteam Elite, which also came out this week. But before we get to our new and noteworthy and our both of our features, um, uh, kind of spec... I, I don't want to say speculative, but what's the right word? Um, a soft happy birthday to those of you uh, who regard Linux's birthday being in... Uh, 1991, when Linus released the first public kernel for work, it wouldn't be till four years later, or three or four years later. It was 94 when uh, the kernel hit 1.0. But on top of that, Canadian tells everyone say, I don't know. There's a whole camp that believes that the birthday for Linux should be August 25th. 1991. So, happy 30th birthday to 
the GNU slash Linux operating system, which you know and love, playing the hits that you love to hate. Ah, yes, for 30 fucking years makes me feel fucking old as dirt. And, but, you know, of course, Stallman had done the, the GNU Utils like in 83 or 86. Um, by that point, so they've been around for years, but it took the, as, uh, Matt Hartley would say, uh, the chocolate and peanut butter of Linux, of, of, of Linus Torvalds' kernel for his, you know, re, reimagining of Minix as Linux, um, free and open sourcing it combined with Richard Stallman's senior utils. That's what Linux is. That's, those are the two, that's the chocolate and the peanut butter. They go together and they make this, magnificently attractive atrociously complicated death trap eh, forming the basis for the fire in which we have burned lo these many years <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> as I used to say if it worked it would be windows it's <laughs> uh, as close to Brian Lunduk as I get I don't like I don't like being a detractor to uh, what is already you know, even a sarcastic, snarky detractor, you know, I mean, it's not like we are a legion yet. It's not like we've won the revolution yet. But uh, my time with Linux goes back to 1997 with uh, Mandrake. So I, so when I hear anniversaries, like 30th anniversary of fucking Linux, oh my god, I was 17, that's 24 years ago that I started using fucking Linux. It's crazy. And I've been Linux only now for over a decade and a half. Um, oh, whoa. No, that's not true. Since 2000, uh, 2000, 2005, 2006, pre Ubuntu 8. Pre Ubuntu 8. Just, just a year or so before Ubuntu 8. Um, it's when I went Linux only. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I've been doing, I've been, it's, Wow. 30 years. What a long... So, cheers and thank you to, you know, uh, Linus Torvalds and uh, Richard Stallman. Uh, RMS, the great RMS. Richard Stallman. Actually, you know what? We'll sing that song. Well, (laughs) I wrote a song called the Richard Stallman song. It has a lot of lyrics. I will dig it up and maybe we'll we'll post it uh, to the Discord. So, in other anniversary news this week, Two days prior to that, I think on the 23rd or... Uh, oh, shit. Ivor, you're supposed to put this shit in the show notes. Oh, my God, Ivor, you are so fucking fired! Uh, uh, yeah, here we go, on Gadget. Uh, yeah, two, two days before, August 23rd, 1991. So two weeks. This made me feel fucking old. Where, where, whereas the birthday of Linux made me feel, you know, that slight twinge of hopelessness and despair as you realize that you're hurtling, as you you know pass another landmark that really underscores the fact that we're all just fucking hurtling towards inevitable annihilation at shocking speeds that only seem to accelerate each. Passing fucking day, the days be- the days become weeks, the weeks become months, months become quarters, the quarters become years, years become decades. 
Soon we'll be out amidst the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Um, and as Charles Bukowski would say, the days run like wild horses over the hills. Uh, so happy birthday, Linux. You know, it's like, oh, fuck, it's been 30 years? Okay. That didn't make me feel old. It made me feel proud that that the revolution continues and has only grown in strength, unabated. Year after year after year, slowly we churn. Step, not turn, churn. Line by line, inch by inch, Rickenbach Falls. Um, but that's how that's how we do it. That's how we roll. All problems are within our purview, and we are like we are like the stomach acid of the computing world. That's what the faucetiosphere is. We will take anything you give us, and might take us. A day might take us a hour, might take us 10 fucking, 20 fucking, 30 fucking years. We don't give a shit. We will pave. We, we are like Khrushchev. We will bury you. Virtual Khrushchevs with virtual shoes and virtual podiums. And no one listens to us, which is funny because everyone always everyone who goes to bat against Linux always loses Microsoft right now they are fucking making their own Linux using our kernel <laughs> it's hilarious I mean if that's not victory I, I mean it, that's not a total victory like that's actually it's a worrisome thing but um because what the fuck's Microsoft gonna do yeah <laughs> you know what Microsoft's gonna do but <laughs> <laughs> with this Promethean technology that they, <laughs> in company tradition, have <laughs> stolen outright. Uh, this Promethean fire that they have borrowed <laughs> from the world of the from the world of the Linux dwarves, the 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 Dweamer, the the, the Linux Dweamer world. If you're into Skyrim or Elder Scrolls, whatever. Anyway, moving on. So that didn't make me feel old. That made me feel more proud than anything that that our revolution continues and continues to thrive. It's a complex world and we do complexity like nobody else. Uh, And we have enough eyes now. We are legion. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. But this next one made me just feel fucking old. August 23rd, 1991. 30 years ago. This week, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was released. And I was 11. Oh, thank God I did not know then what I know now. (laughs) In fact, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have believed it. I always think about this. Like, what if you could time travel? And of course, this invokes the grandfather paradox and other paradoxes. Um, but what if you could go back in time from today to whenever you wanted uh, to in your lifetime and you know, how would you approach yourself and try to get yourself to believe something 
that is actually going to happen in the future that your former younger self would never ever believe or imagine like for me one of the like okay two two things for me that i would never have believed uh as a as a younger version of me even just 15 18 years ago no 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 dyscalculia no. <laughs> don't strike me now more whiskey uh not 15 or 18 28 or 30-ish years ago. Um, so post-puberty. So like 14 years old. I, you know, I, I w- you have to come up with a way to interpose yourself into your younger self's life so that they can trust you. So that means create, you know, figuring out, you'd have to remember your schedule. You'd have to remember all sorts of shit. And probably you'd have to disguise yourself. And in order to not erase the future, which you already have done by going back in time, which is why you can't go back in time. It's impossible, first of all. But even if you could, you would erase the present. Your present, which is the future of the past. So, like, even if you could go back to the future from whence you came, uh, you would be the only thing in the universe. You would have created your own singularity. Maybe that's where we get black holes. I don't know! That's that's the, something for theoretical physicists and, and cosmologists and fucking my Eric Dyson and other minds far greater than me. But what would it was like two things for me would be I could talk to like 14 year old me this is not technology related. Well yeah, okay, two things. One is technology, one is personal. Hey man, trust me believe me buddy I know (laughs) take it from a stranger the strange friend or the friendly stranger man you are going to have the most gorgeous girlfriends oh boy (laughs) you are going to have unbelievably gorgeous girlfriends and they are all going to betray you. <laughs> but technology-wise, trying to get a 14-year-old version of yourself, so for me that would be 1994, to believe that in the future, not hypothetical, this is known, I, I need you to believe this, young, scree- young Scooky Sprite, only now at the end. Uh, <laughs> uh, not only will you have a phone that is a computer with a Star Trek like touchscreen, everyone will have one, and that phone will be many tens of thousands of times more powerful than your computer right now because i was 14 i had my i got my i bought my personal first computer when i was 13 um and it was good it was really good and then trying to explain the storage on that phone to that 14 year old just is you know and this is one of the i do this shit all the time i think about this stuff all the time because i'm always Constantly amazed. I'm amazed right now that we're able to do this show and have done this show 
exclusively on Linux machines. Like I'm I am on a Linux mint box as we're doing this. Doing multimedia on Linux? <laughs> Try to explain that to me 20 years ago and I just <laughs> oh yeah. We don't even have a fucking desktop environment yet. But anyway, so 30 years of Super NES makes me feel really old. Luckily, Oh, and trumpets were mellow. Uh, luckily, everything old is... Yeah, drop that in, Ivor. Yeah, put that in the bed. Um, <laughs> everything old is new again. Uh, so, to the present, and to, but cheers to... Uh, and many thanks, heartfelt thanks to Linus Torvalds, uh, RMS, Richard Stallman, and to everybody. Everybody. Everyone who has contributed in, you know, even the smallest and stupidest ways. This is an iterative, incremental effort. And, uh, yeah. 30 years of Linux. Cheers. I will drink to that. I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So we have two new and noteworthy titles for you this week before we get to our two features. One of our features is going to be short, and actually it's going to be the fe- it's going to be our psychonauts feature. But right anyway, right now, two new games came out this week that will just make our new and noteworthy. Um, first is Door Kickers 2 Task Force North also known as Door Kickers 2 Door Kickers is a, this is a sequel to Door Kickers, obviously <coughs> which for the uninitiated is a top-down version of Rainbow Six so it's like Rainbow Six meets the original Grand Theft Auto um you can, and in the first one, you're police force, in the second one, you're mil, uh, military force. Um, but the great genius of door kickers is the ability to control, to set up a plan for numerous, uh, tactical individuals, being able to pause it. You can set waypoints for everybody, set up go codes for everybody. It's just like Rainbow Six, but a top down, not 3D version of it. Um, rescue hostages, you can uh, choose how you open doors. Choose whether or not you're going to flashbang the room on the inside. Choose whether or not there's a hold before someone is seen into that room and decides to throw a flashbang. Choose how you're going to breach the doors. Are you going to blow... I'm only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Um, you're going to blow the door with a shape charge. Are you going to stick a little camera underneath the door and scope out what's inside to see if there are hostages? See if there's anyone in there before you waste a flashbang. Um, who's going to be covering whom? Which direction is this person going to face when they breach this room? Uh, in huge floor plans great tactical 
tactical planning action. Because there's like a whole planning phase that is as robust as Rainbow Six was, which is something that like I don't know why more games have not ripped off the. I'm talking about the original Rainbow Six, OG Rainbow Six, um, where the majority of the game was spent in the planning phase. But the planning is so fast and effortless and streamlined and easy and robust. I hate that word because of Congress, but it is really a powerful, effortless system. The planning system in Door Kickers, and I presume in Door Kickers 2, which does run on Linux, by the way. I did, I only got to fire it up though this week because Psychonauts 2 came out the next day. <laughs> I'm like, fuck! But, uh, it's awesome. And then when you have to take out the bad guys, it's equally awesome. Uh, because your character, your, your, the, the officers or agents that are underneath your control or the, the soldiers that are underneath your control, um, do know how to respond dynamically to, on their own to dynamic situations that necessitate it. It's not like, um, you know, if they're getting, if they're getting shot, Although in Door Kickers and Door Kickers, it seems like in Door Kickers too, from the video that I, I've seen, if you get shot, you're dead, more or less. Um, which is pretty much how it works in real life. <laughs> like, like, you're down. <laughs> um, but, and then all broad ranges of equipment and stuff. And the cool thing about Door Kickers, about the franchise, is that it gives you all of these tactical methods and. Uh, approaches to things and then you upgrade your characters and you upgrade um, their abilities and you upgrade their equipment uh, you know so instead of just having a pistol you can have a guy with an assault rifle or an SMG or uh, a breach and clear room clearing shotgun or shotgun etc 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 so that's and it's one the original door kickers I love that game We'll see how Door Kickers 2 it, uh, plays uh, next week after I get some time to... Whoa! Why are you playing? God damn it, Ivo, you're fired! Um, Door Kickers 2, which has gotten overwhelmingly positive reviews, 3,446, came out November 3rd, 2020, so it's an older game, but it's newer to me, and it does... still in early access, actually, but it does run great on Linux, uh, and so that makes it new because it's new to me, uh, is $19.99. Good game. Uh, lots of replay value. Now, our only other new and noteworthy is called Jupiter Hell. And I'm just going to explain Jupiter Hell to you really fast. I played four hours of Jupiter Hell, and it was supposed to be our feature for this week. It will be a feature in an upcoming episode, no matter what, because even if it has to sit on the shelf as an evergreen, Jupiter Hell has an interesting premise. Jupiter Hell is a top-down, turn-based, but really fast-paced turn-based. Procedurally generated roguelike with permadeath, uh, re-envisioning of what the first-person shooter, Doom, would be like if it were a top-down, turn-based game. You play as the lone marine facing untold hordes of 
mind-controlled zombie soldiers and demonic uh, fireball-throwing imps and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but all with a weird, weirdly robust, is a better way of saying it, um, system of upgrades and character classes. There's a Marine, there's uh I go, oh, fuck, I can't remember because of Aliens Fire Team, but there are like three classes of guys. You can be, you can be like a Marine, you can be uh, an engineer, and something else that I can't remember. But anyway, the way the game works, and this is the, the, the weird conceit of the game. When I say that it's fast turn-based, I mean it is lightning fast. It's more like net hack fast. Um, in that, but it's a shooter. The big, big conceit, the big, uh, not innovation, but the big, uh, play mechanic in Jupiter Hell is to use cover when you can and escape and lure enemies out of their cover if you can. Don't shoot at enemies who have cover when you don't have cover. Don't not have cover. Don't be out of cover when enemies don't have cover. Always be in cover. And that, we're talking about corner covers here. Um, so like, let's say you're walking down a hall and it's it's tile by tile, but it's super fast. Like it's like bah, 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 bah. you just move like fucking five tiles or whatever. As many tiles as bah, 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 bah. and you can actually hold down a single directional button. You can't move diagonally. You can hold down a single direction button and run. So it's like Bruh! every time you move, though each each turn represents one second. Every time you move, everything else in the map is moving, and you can't see it until. You know, you act, your character can actually see it, or until they can see it on the motion sensor on the map. Then to kill a guy, or to switch weapons to kill a guy with something different or whatever, you press one button on the gamepad. There's no keyboard. There's no mouse in this game. There's no aiming in this game. The way you're facing does not matter in this game. All that matters is. You're running down a hallway, and you see like, three guys. What do you do? You can shoot all three of them, but they will hit you a lot. But it can be as fast as bep, bep, bep. You'll take some damage, because as you fire, they're firing at you, generally. Or, let's say there's a hallway, like a T-intersection, to the left of you. If you get to that little corner... Sure, you haven't been firing at them and they've been firing at you, but now you'll have a green bar next to you, meaning that you're in corner cover. The animations don't reflect this, but it's very clear to see who's in cover and who's not in cover. Then, if you shoot at them, bam, 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 or however many hits they take, but it's normally like one hit per guy, and then bam, bam, bam. You know, let's say there's three guys there. They're dead, and they've shot at you a bunch of times, but they've not hit you. And so figuring out when to run and when when to hold them and when to fold them, when to run, when to stand your ground, when to switch weapons, it's all very sterile, but it's super fast. It's like your average run, like I got to level 6, I think. 
I got to like my sixth floor because like the floors are non-linear and they're all procedurally generated and they link to different places than they would go otherwise. You know, each run is absolutely unique and it's single player. Um, but like my longest run, I think was like 15 minutes long and I killed like 600 guys or something like that. I, I don't hold me to that, you know, blah. But anyway, that's Jupiter Hell. And we will talk more about that, about Jupiter Hell in a forthcoming episode. Regardless of whether or not we have to leave it as an evergreen, it's 25 bucks, $24.99. It's pretty fun. I don't think that, um, you should definitely, especially in, in relation to our two features this week, which we're about to hit, um, right now, like a car accident, um, 25 bucks for Jupiter Hell is a very tough sell. It looks like a good game to have in your library, in the back of your mind, to add to your library when it goes on sale. Um, but we'll, that's up to you. Maybe this is your jam. Alright, I were basing with the features. Oh my god. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. The Libyans! So, first of our two features is Psychonauts 2, because it's the shortest. Why? Because I can't tell you very much about it. I've played. 10 hours of Psychonauts 2, it is er, uh, I played 7 hours of Psychonauts 2 (coughs) which is $60 but it is, you know, double fine, it's it's Tim Schafer and double fine, man pay, I don't mind paying 60 bucks to support awesome game design and Psychonauts 2 so far has, it's like everything that made Psychonauts 1 so remarkable um, but way more of it. For the uninitiated, Psychonauts is a uh, free-rotating camera, third-person game where you take on the role of Rasputin. It, he's a kid, and the game is about kids, but it is not a kid's game. I mean, it, kids can play it, but it was made for adults, which is <laughs> a bad marketing move by Tim Schafer, but a great game design conceit. Uh, you play as Rasputin, uh, a young young boy who's run away from the circus to join the Psychonauts uh, after discovering his psychic powers and dealing with his phobias in the first game. The Psychonauts are a super secret spy agency that infiltrates the minds of their targets and from within their own minds either retrieves information or persuades that person, it's kind of like Inception, or persuades that person to do something in the real world that would be contrary to what they would do otherwise. Um, Or, you know, retrieves, you know, like, ah, I need the code. It's very much like Inception, now that I think about it. In fact, the original Psychonauts came out in 2005, um, so it was... The Inception connection there is, is... is interesting. But anyway, the interior of other people's minds take on the form of that person's personality. 
Uh, and in Psychonauts 2, you get to do some very interesting minds. In Psychonauts 1, I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Um, Psychonauts 1, you're dealing more or less with like rogue psychic geniuses who have been twisted and gone insane, more or less. All of them have been pretty crazy. In this one, you start off with fucking uh, dental phobia, which I have profound dental phobia, uh, and it was a great mission. So, like, so for instance, that that entire opening level takes place inside the mind of the insane dentist, and, <laughs> and you're dealing with aspects of his id ego and super ego all in like this platform, it's a platformer, it's a 3D platformer with fantastic voice acting, an amazing story intensely memorable characters and moving, I mean hilarious and moving, it's one of the few games that that I can really say you will laugh and you will cry, you will <laughs> you will be in tears it's a whole Jungian landscape of uh of uh Psycho of uh, 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 psychic exploration and self actualization, as Maslow might say. Um, it's very, it's it's all very Jungian. Um, with these great characters who have these wonderful problems, and all, I mean, if you if you're one of the type, if you're the type of person who loves the uh, how little details in a humongous game add up can add up to something truly special Psychonauts 2 is definitely for you I waited 15 fucking years for a 16 years for a fucking sequel uh, it's it's deeply moving, deeply hilarious um uh, incredibly fun action platformer in the vein of Gex the Gecko, if anyone remembers that. You know, you have like these free-roaming it's also an adventure game, that's the other thing like you talk to other characters and help them solve their problems and that's like your mission assignment. There is no radar in this game, it is truly an adventure platformer and it's great and you use your psychic abilities effortlessly, and they are numerous. And you can upgrade them individually in Psychonauts 2, because now you're in the mother lobe. You are working side by side with your idols. Um, the, the veteran Psychonauts, the one guy who looks like Frankenstein, and Mila, uh, the uh, levitation expert. Um, anyway, it, and it's fantastic. And you have to figure out what Maligula and her deluge as in deluge, like as in Louisiana right now, as in like Ida, as in like rainstorm, delusionists <laughs> are up to a deranged cult of rogue psychonauts um, who worship this dark god named Maligula, who was a former foe of the original founding members of the psycho. Oh, it's so good. I'm just getting I it's great. And her delusionists. 
game is filled with tons of bad puns like that. Uh, and it's fantastic. Like, one of my favorite things that you can do in this game is use clairvoyance to jump into other people's minds in the real world and see your, see how they see you through their eyes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like, I have a friendly rat named Harold who really likes me, and he sees me as a giant human in a rat costume. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Um, whereas, like, other like other agents who are, like, non... who don't really know me, like, agents you meet in the cafeteria, if you jump into their minds and look at yourself, they see you as, like, this secret agent, this little mini secret agent guy. And some people see you differently. People who know you and who know you in a different way see your their projection of you onto you as you can be like a crazy um uh <laughs> oh, one of my other favorites. There's this lady who um evidently is trying to quit smoking and when you go and talk to her and you can talk to them when you while you're in their brain <laughs> I mean, come on, tell me this does not sound like fun already. And that's like the least important thing in the game. Um, but she sees you as a walking cigarette machine. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um and uh you, you get thrown into the intern program along with other noobs who rapidly lead you into a uh disastrous live fire mental exercise on one of your instructors that results in catastrophic disaster that you must fix. Uh, it's great. It's a fantastic game. So, it's 60 bucks though. I don't mind paying 60 bucks to support Tim Schafer and Double Fine. Not just to support them. In fact, it's what you owe them. If you, if if this sounds like your type of game, and trust me, it is everyone's type of game because it's a magnificent game. This is not a review, I'm just telling you. 60 bucks is not an outrageous price to pay for one of the best games that you're probably ever going to play in your life. At least this decade. Uh, and I mean that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So forget about supporting somebody. Why don't you support yourself by buying the fucking game? Or you can wait till it goes on sale, which will be a long time. I'm, you know, fucking... A long time. But the other cool thing about Psychonauts 2 is that it runs out of the box on Linux. You just need um, a specific version of Proton. Let me, uh, Proton GE. Let me see what we got. 6.15 GE2 is what you use to run Psychonauts 2. That's Glorious Egg Roll's fork of Proton. Now, we'll get to our second feature immediately. I don't want to hear anyone bitching about paying 60 bucks for Psychonauts, and as you can tell, like, with every game that is truly timeless, uh, it will be probably years before it goes on sale. I would imagine. Although, 60 bucks is a hefty price tag for this game, and Linux, you know, it's not like they're marketing towards Linux users, but we are notoriously cheap. Um, not, not myself, of course. I'm just terrible with money, and so I'm always broke. But anyway, cheers to Tim Schafer and Double Fine and it is just magnificent to be Rasputin again, and it's so much fun to control him and just explore the mother lobe and, and the campground and the, the um, questionable area and uh, the forest of forgetfulness 
<laughs> the boss encounters are great and the action and the exploration and platforming are so tight and like using like you don't run in this game if you want to run you summon a magical fucking levitation ball underneath you and you run on that because you're from the circus so you can fucking it doubles your fucking movement speed if you can double jump but if you want to double jump and then glide, you summon a magic levitation ball above you that temporarily holds you and lets you glide to that ledge. Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you have telekinesis. You can pick up and throw any object. You also have a melee attack. You can upgrade your melee attacks. You can uh, get an upgrade that, that makes Rasputin when he's left standing idle begin dancing. This is great. It's so great. Okay, Ivor, next feature. Who do you think? Oh, my God. It's the Libyans. The Libyans! Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooby. The Libyans! Day in the Marine Corps like a day on the farm. Every meal's a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the call. Nice Man, this floor is freezing. What do you want me to do? Fetch your slippers for you? Gee, would you, sir? I'd like that. Look into my eye. Fall in, people. Hey, Mira. In space. As friend of the show, Jeff Jeffy Wise said, In space. No one can hear you. In space. Our next game is Aliens Fireteam Elite, which came out this week. Aliens, first of all, we'll talk price here. Let's talk price. First of all, Aliens Fireteam Elite is really good. I like it a lot. It is 40 bucks for the base game. If you want to get this game, I would recommend getting the base game because... Aliens Fire Team Elite Deluxe Edition, which is 70 fucking dollars, is absolutely not worth it. It only has like the two DLCs, which I think I added up to like 14 bucks, and some extra stuff that you can only get from the Deluxe Edition. I mean, not only get from the Deluxe Edition, you can get this shit in game that are cosmetic. Everything else you still have to. You still have to play for. So what is Aliens Fireteam Elite? Aliens Fireteam Elite is a game that I thought I would not like. I love it. But I went in with deep reservations after fucking spending 70 bucks on this fucking thing. Only to find out that it is designed at the core for multiplayer. Now, if you, like me are the type of person who has played many multiplayer games and loved many multiplayer games and gotten really hopelessly addicted to many multiplayer games but who does not always want to play with other fucking people finds that to be an imposition or sometimes goes through patches of just, you know, despair and social isolation you know, to the point where you never want to see another person again in a video game 
because multiplayer games like this, squad-based multiplayer games like this, always carry huge baggage with them because you never know what type of team you're going to have. You never know if you're going to fuck up or fail or get everyone killed. I stopped caring about that shit long ago. In fact, after having... Because I have to play these games to review them and to feature them on this show, I've calloused myself to... Be to ever worrying about fucking up anyone's anything because I don't give a fuck at this point. I'm 41 years old. I try not to like what, if I know that it's gonna fuck someone up. Then I, I you know I don't want to do it. I won't do it. I'll I'll help them or whatever. Um, Aliens Fireteam Elite. Do not worry about the fact it, you can play it single player by the way. Um, with bots and the bots are pretty fucking good. They are terrible if you want to play it on uh, the intense difficulty level or anything above that. Uh, but for standard difficulty, which is what most everyone plays anyway, they are absolutely adequate up to a certain point in the game. So, Aliens Fireteam Elite is a third person three... It's third person with a free rotating camera you can aim down the sights um absolute abject action blast em up nightmare carnage festival of being overwhelmed by xenomorphs in in strange and dangerous locations set in the aliens universe with tons of new storyline and plot lines and stuff in the alien universe and lots of background detail to stuff that they that you know they only hint at in the movies if you like the aliens movies and i do um although they scare the living fuck out of me where the fuck i ever if you've ever wanted to play a game that will literally make you scream it's a bug out of me we're all going to die game over man. game over this is that game. You are part of an elite force of space marines who are in far-flung distant space working for and against corporate benefactors uh, to reclaim uh, derelict space stations and intelligence assets uh, across a wide variety of... Well, not a wide variety, but a big variety of um, unique both visually and geographically uh, locations, installations, spaceships uh, planet surf, you know, going planet side, um, sent out from the Endeavor, a uh, cruiser cruiser filled with space marines you're just one tiny little fire team and the way you solve all the problems in Aliens Fireteam is by killing tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of xenomorphs. These xenomorphs, the game looks fantastic. I mean, it looks phenomenal. And we'll talk about the obvious limitation, the obvious, you know, implied limitation of this formula in a moment. But before we do, just know that the xenomorphs and their animations and their character classes and the the ways in which they strike at you are always a little different not their visual presentation but uh 
the size of the horde, which side of your force they decide to attack if there's like a choice where they come from the floor, the ceiling, the ducts where they come around corners whether they overwhelm you in front or overwhelm you from behind which is how I get all my women overwhelmed from behind the Seth Barkin story uh (laughs) it's always a little different and when the warriors come it's always a little different uh, and they, warriors, okay, so there are just jobber xenomorphs, and these fuckers can kill you. But they have to kill you, like, in large numbers. Like, it, you have to get really gang fucked by a big gang of xenomorphs and have no one there to help you before they'll just kill you. They have spitters that spit acid at you, they have explode bursters that I- explode once they get close to you. They have, uh, prowlers who lurk on the ceilings and in corners and camouflage really well with their red stripes to look like wires. They're red and red stripes on black. Uh, and then they jump on you and you have to enter button combinations to escape from their clutches. Then there are just the alpha xenomorph. The bitch, more or less. And she will just she's sometimes there, she's sometimes not. She will tackle you out of nowhere and put you on the ground and start cutting at you while your friends desperately try to shoot her off of you. And she is patient. And she is strong. And she's gonna hurt you a lot. And then there are warriors. Xenomorph warriors look a lot like the bitch, but are just warriors. They're not fast, but they are huge. And they can take an enormous amount of damage. They have very powerful uh, armor. Even once you whittle their health down. And you don't whittle their health down. You kill them. You unload everything you have into them. Everyone. Warrior! Oh my god! We're gonna die! And as the warriors approach, they pick one of you, at basically at random, although sometimes it seems like uh, if two people are really damaging her she'll sometimes go for the third person who isn't damaging her at all. Uh, The warriors will pick one of you and they will make you their target. And they will pick you up by the throat and they will crush the life out of you if your friends are not fast enough at getting her off of you. And for her, there are no button presses. Now, there are four distinct classes. Uh, four or five, I can't remember. There's Okay, so there's the gunner, which is your basic marine with a pulse rifle and a uh, close close quarters weapon uh, starts off with a pump action eight in the tube uh, combat shotgun, single shot you can reload in between shots it is a magnificent weapon and a, a pistol, so you have a, a primary a secondary close quarters weapon and a pistol not all pistols are the same then you have two auxiliary skills that run on a cooldown these can range from all sorts of things and and vary from class to class and you can't turn that around you can upgrade your skills you can upgrade your class level so like you can be gunner 1 and level 7 like like you have you have a level for your character that is cumulative and then you have a level for each class then you have a level for each weapon and there are multiple weapons that you can cl- that you can uh, buy using the uh, 
the uh, chits that you get from completing missions, or you can find or receive as rewards for completing mi- completing missions, which is one of the great reasons why it's such a grind fest, and it's awesome to play old missions over and over again with new players or with bots or whatever. Um, for this reason, you get random a good assortment of random rewards. Uh, but it's really the credits that I'm after because I like buying shit directly from once you, I'm back on on the endeavor. I like buying directly my attachments. I like buying attachments and weapons and decals and cosmetic effects and um, uh, consumables like uh, deployable turrets, uh, uh, electromagnetic. EMP grenades, EMP rounds, EMP landmines, uh, incendiary turrets, electrostatic shock turrets. I like buying uh, all sorts of stuff um, directly from the black market guy on board the ship. It's much easier and trust me, for 40 bucks you can get everything that is in the $70 fucking version of Fireteam Elite Deluxe Edition just by playing the missions. Which you'll like. And you'll fi- you can also find hidden caches which move around every time you play the level. They're in different places um, and I've yet to discern a pattern. And those can make you wealthy. Now, pickups in this game are lot everyone can pick up one of everything that is found ammo dumps like ammo boxes can be used infinitely by everyone but um like med kits when you find med kits and you're playing with two other people there'll be three med kits if you can only carry one but uh those can be used by any player but let's say you find a hidden cache or like a an intel object which you know advances the plot line a little bit and gives you some interesting background and also gives you some extra uh, fucking chit when you turn it in uh, back on the endeavor if someone finds that it gets called out automatically by the game to all the other human players and any all the other two human players can also pick up that same item if they go back there and, you know, get it. So, it's very egalitarian. But what's what makes this game a mu- uh, l- lot more than just the fucking beautiful fireworks show of carnage, death, chaos, madness, and far-flung futuristic science fiction, uh, deep space, xenomorph-based, H.R. Geiger-inspired, uh, aliens franchise-fueled both cosmetic, it's great, the plasma you have the smart gun oh, we'll get to that in a moment Our, the thing that makes this game, that elevates it from what would just seem inane and stupid and expensive to just expensive, but really good in my opinion, I've I got 10 hours I can't stop playing this fucking game, I wish I was playing it right now um it came out August 23rd, by the way uh, where is this? 11 hours, played Thing that elevates it from this very uh, not common but un- seemingly uninspired formulaic approach, and that's actually one of the great strengths of this game, is it's it doesn't try to break the mold; it just tries to make the mold better and deeper and more compelling 
but tries to keep the simple formula at its core. You are a fire team. Go point to point wherever the fuck your um, support person on the comms tells you. Do what they tell you. Kill the swarm that ensues. Go to the next point. Kill swarms in between. Get to point. Press button. Do what they tell you. Kill the swarm. Etc. 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 Escort friendly precious cargo. Escort the civilian to safety. Give him a pistol. Let him shoot alongside you guys. So now you're a team of four. Get him to the end of level. Rinse, wash, repeat. You will kill hundreds of fucking xenomorphs individually. On average, you will kill at least 150 per person on standard difficulty per mission. Per campaign. So, each campaign is like a bigger story block and they all have stories and it's really cool they all have different characters and you learn different things about what's going on in the alien universe uh, through the game the game has no tutorial and that's fantastic because it just it all speaks to like the fucking grip it and rip it run and gun we're all going to die kill all these fucking aliens ethos that is behind the game but the, the aliens, the xenomorphs themselves are magnificently animated and have broad ranges of physical capabilities uh, and and they're fast, they look like evil fucking dogs and they explode into fucking sprays of acid and sometimes you can see moments of infinity in these (laughs) horrifying firefights (laughs) (laughs) where you are outnumbered literally 50 to (laughs) 1 and they're fucking crawling on the ceiling and hundreds of them are all gonna die now the way the game adds depth to this very excellent I find the formula compelling uh, as simple as it is because it's just it's that simple go to the go here kill anything along the way you know, you'll scatter opposition, kill everything that comes at you there, do the thing, press the button, interact with the console, whatever, and back at it. I mean, there's no... Each mission takes about 26 to 30 minutes to complete if you're moving at, like, a... You know, just, like, a moderate pace. You can beat them faster. You can beat them under... Some of them you can beat under 20 minutes. But that's about the length of one mission, which is great because you're playing with three other, with two other people. <coughs> now, the other people, here's another cool thing. You can invite friends to your fire team. And you can friend people who have played on your fire team, you know, by using the Steam, standard Steam mechanism, you know, search for people that you played with, you know, in last game session or whatever, and add them as friends, and then you can add them to your fire team or whatever. Or you can just get matched match made with two other randos and you can see their combat rating underneath them, you don't get to pick and choose from them though, if you jump into the queue it will match you with two other people basically immediately and vroom vroom vroom, you play your challenge cards if you want to, and away you guys go, there are no communications options in Aliens Fireteam Elite, and I many people find this frustrating I fucking love it Yes, it can be confusing and frustrating when, you know, you have a doctor on your team who 
never heals you. And you have no way of communicating, hey, fucker, heal me. You have no way of communicating that. You can't type. You can't send text messages. I mean, if if they're your friend, sure, you could set up voice comms, you know, outside of the game via Steam, either by a Steam chat or whatever, but the game moves too fast for any sort of typing, and it's it would just be pointless. Um, and the game wants you to fucking work with everybody based off of, like, looking at each other. If you can't see your other two your other two teammates, you're about to die. <laughs> like, it's just generally how it goes. Which is great. So you want to stick together, team! Um, and there's certain parts in later missions where you guys, where it's advantageous for one or more of you to split off and for someone to, you know, maintain like an Overwatch sniper kind of cover over the other two, but you're generally you don't want to get separated from the group, you know, it's like fucking stick with your tour group um, more whiskey, you're right Ivor so, the fact that you can't talk actually I think is a plus, a net plus, because you don't have to hear assholes fucking, you know, talk about how much you suck, or or yell at you, or play rap music over their fucking comms or whatever, probably with no way to mute them, no, they're just like, no, fuck it you listen to your fucking comms from the in-game people your characters automatically call out certain things that all of you can hear and that's it so if that's a deal breaker for you, you're not going to be making long term friends with most of the people that you play with in Aliens Fireteam Elite which is great because it makes everyone essentially disposable now for instance last night I, pl- I played on a Fireteam where my I think my combat rating was 280 which is a numerical representation of the weapon upgrades and the, the uh, modifications you've added to your weapons along with the upgrades and uh, mods that you've added to that character's class and your character's class level. Um, so I was like at two f- two, 280 and I got lucky. I got matched with this guy named uh, uh, Red something, Red Sword or something like that. And he was 480 on this mission. The other person we got matched with was a doctor who sucked she was like her name was uh, Moss Girl she was like I want to say 180 combat rating those numbers matter because they give you a very good sense of who you want to follow and who you're going to need to help who's going to need some extra assistance how far ahead can you run you know maybe it also gives you a pretty good idea of whether or not they maybe have played that particular mission before which is great because if you know that this guy is like 480 I'm going to follow him he's definitely played this mission before I've never played this mission before I never knew such a trick was possible and it's great and generally the better the, the better and higher the player rating is the more they will help you because um, they're just better and they know that they need you if you get killed you can get killed in standard mode you can get downed four times, each teammate can get down four times, you have on standard mode, a hundred seconds to get them back up and they instantly get a little bit of a health boost that takes them, they were at zero health, that takes them like, you know, maybe a quarter health, 
They need, they'll need medical, they need a med kit. They need to use their med kit or get healed by a doctor. Now, the way they add depth to all of this is by having these character classes and having all of these different gun selections that you can make after you've found or bought the weapons. And each weapon has three types of equipment modifications that you can make to them. Um, for smart guns, which is not so great, and all the sounds are straight from the movie, um, for smart guns, which are auto-aiming fucking mini cannons that attach to a harness that is waist-mounted, for those of you who have not seen the Aliens movies and live under rocks and must hate computers, or just don't like scary movies, the smart gun independently targets uh, aliens without you having to aim. Same thing with the flamethrower, except the flamethrower doesn't use any sophisticated targeting. It just spits out endless clouds of glorious close-range fucking unbelievable death. The smell inside of one of these compartments after you have roasted 50 fucking xenomorphs, their chinness, hair-like smelling carcasses has got to be magnificent we should bottle it and sell it to children more whiskey yeah we'll be out of here in 10 Ivor or 7 minutes Ivor yeah we'll go a little long we'll go an hour and 15 we got two features this week what do you want the way they add depth to this is by having these character classes so there's gunner which is a normal marine now the classes themselves only limit the type of weapon you can carry in each of your primary slots. This gets a little confusing when you get to the technician because the technician doesn't have a third weapon. They don't have a pistol. Their primary weapon is a pistol and it has to be a pistol. The pistol that the technician starts with does five times four times the damage of the pulse rifle, which is what the gunner starts with, and it's like basically the universal automatic assault rifle in the game. There are variants of the pulse rifle you can get, like the burst rifle, and various submachine gun variants you can get for automatic weapons, but the submachine gun goes under the close quarters weapon category. Flamethrowers, submachine guns, shotguns, um, and smart guns go under the close quarters weapon category. So, the pistol that the technician starts with is great. It one-hits everything, for the most part. Like, if you shoot a xenomorph in the head, it's gonna die. The special xenomorphs, there you got a problem. The technician, as his close quarters weapon, starts with the same pump-action shotgun that the gunner starts with as a close quarters weapon. So, you always have these two weapons, and the category of weapon isn't so so much like a a type of weapon that you can have in that category, because you, you'll see eventually you can unlock a close quarters weapon version of the flamethrower that is about as deadly as the flamethrower but with uh, less ammo and uh, l- a little bit less damage but it 
it can be used at, like for the technician instead of their shotgun. They have a pistol and a flamethrower, a smaller flamethrower. But then there's the big flamethrowers, and the big flamethrowers are glorious. Those belong to the demolition class. Uh, and then there's the doctor class. The doctor is a combat medic. They start with an assault rifle and uh, a shotgun. Every change you make to your class is persistent. You don't have to constantly rejigger these things, but when you do go to rejigger them, like for instance, um, modifying your pulse rifle as the gunner is one of the first things you're going to probably want to do. Even when you're gunner level 1. You also want to upgrade all of your classes. You want them to get uh, to level 2 or 3 or, or better because those unlock the mod, well, you can use the mod grid at any time you want. This is this is what affects the class, the class skills, and it's it's a it's a board. It's like a game board, um, with limited spaces that open up as you level up your character, and then all of these different abilities that that you can unlock, and then if you can like fit them onto the board, you can use them, and they interact with what's next to them. Then there's modifiers that modify the behavior of those classes and can, you know, link into if you can find the space. Those generally go horizontal, generally require three spaces. They can also go, I think they can also be rotated vertically. Um, the skills are like four by four. They're like a little square. These things drastically change your you can customize and tailor your play experience to your liking and not just to your needs because all of these guys are very effective all classes are very effective at killing xenomorphs they're also very effective at other things they have a strategic importance ostensibly like technicians technicians instead of having a consumable deployable auto gun turret they have one that is a skill so it runs off of a cooldown not off of a consumable inventory item and they can be picked up and if they are destroyed take 20 seconds for them to regenerate in your inventory and then you can redeploy them you can also self-destruct them the, the technician's job is according to the game and it's actually fairly true is to control and direct the flow a battle from a strategic standpoint. Meaning, the other uh, the other skill that the technician has is throwing shock sticks. These things wedge into surfaces or enemies and create a field of um, electric... Uh, like, a, like a... They electrify the surrounding area wherever they're stuck. Xenomorphs who go through that field will be slowed by half. If they go through two of them, they will be slowed by a quarter. They will become crawling to you. So if you guys are getting overwhelmed, you throw a bunch of shock sticks like into the ceilings, into the floors, onto the walls, because that's where they come from. They they will come running down columns. They will come streaming from air ducts above you and run down the ceiling at you. It's great. Managing where they're coming from is always important. But if you have a guy who's a technician... He throws some shock sticks. It slows that encroaching force down while maybe another one of you gives that guy fire support and then the other guy deals with the fucking horde that's coming up behind you from the other end of the tunnel. 
So that's what the technician does. The de- the the uh, demolisher obviously is a heavy weapons expert. He has a flamethrower and a smart gun, or he can have a shotgun and a flamethrower. He can have you know all sorts of different weapons. And eventually, for the technician, there are other pistols that you can buy that are um, I don't like as much as the original Kramer fifty. Uh, the caliber. You only have eight in the clip, but each one does fucking five hundred damage. Pulse rifle burst, or I mean, a, a, a round from the pulse rifle does sixty damage. Of course, the pulse rifle has sixty fucking bullets in the magazine, and you can empty the magazine in about I don't know. About that long. That's a constant firing. If you fire in short control burst, it's a very effective weapon. Burst rifle, it's just like the pulse rifle, but it's set to four round burst, has increased accuracy and damage fall off, and increased range. And so, I'll, I'll just close by, by telling you this. This makes for like endless possible possibilities for what you want to be good at and what you like to do. The Doctor is the only character, by the way, who I've not played as. The only class that I haven't played as. I'm level 3 gunner, level 2. It's hard to level these characters up, and it's even harder to level up their their uh, abilities with weapons, um, which I'm not entirely sure. I haven't reached a second level for any of my weapons, and I've played 11 hours. But uh, I'll close with this. Let's Let's talk about the gunner and the way I upgraded my pulse rifle. You have three upgrade slots for every weapon. These upgrade slots relate to specific categories of hardware upgrades that you can make to that weapon. They can be swapped out. It's just like going to a fucking gun store or gunsmith and say, I want a fucking, I want a a holoscope on this 9mm or I want a a hollow, uh, a red dot sight on this, uh, on this uh, 9mm or whatever. I want a flashlight attachment on, and you know things that you can also do yourself, like if you are a gun owner, like I am. Um, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. It's just like that, and so you can like remove them. It's not permanent; it doesn't have to be permanent. But if you want to use more of one specific thing, you either have to swap it out manually to each class that, you know, and you don't want to do that. You want to leave what you install installed and just buy more of it eventually when you have the credits if you can. So, the first thing that you can upgrade is the muzzle. You can have muzzle brakes, blah, blah, blah. And this applies to every weapon in the game, uh, but it, it, you know, there's a class, there's a weapon type analog for all three of these classes. So, for the pulse rifle, it starts off with the muzzle. Same thing with the shotgun, it's a muzzle. Um, before uh, the flamethrower, for instance, it's like a, it's like a tube. It's like a firing tube thing. Uh, and various different upgrades to that specific part of the gun will give you different things. Sometimes, you know, there, there are some upgrades that like for the muzzle, like muzzle brake or um, flash hider or whatever. Some of them give you more range. Some of them give you special abilities, like uh, there's one where on every time a bullet hits an enemy, you get plus 5% 
to either damage or range or rate of fire. And that can stack, you know, up to five times. Like, so for 25%, better whatever aspect, you know, better fire rate or more damage, 25% damage, a quarter damage boost is a lot. Quarter fire rate boost is a lot. Lots of your special abilities, if they aren't directly combat related, will also assist everyone who's near you. So there's, um, for the gunner, he has a thing that makes everyone's fire rate go up for like 30 seconds by like 25%. But anyway, so there's the muzzle, then there's uh, the optics, and then there's the uh, magazine. And inside of each of those categories are like eight to fifth, eight, eight to twelve different fucking individual types of that upgrade, all of which do different things, all of which can be found or unlocked or uh, purchased using the chit that you get from completing missions. Each object, each mo- each hardware modification that you make to your gun has a specific weapon rating that adds to your actual weapon rating. So the normal fucking pulse rifle starts off at 40. If you add an upgrade to all three categories, that's generally each one is worth 20. That's 60, so you're at 100. Certain things can be worth more. But anyway, so now your pulse rifle's at 100. You were at 80, your character gunner class, before you had anything, because your shotgun also has a weapon point, weapon grade thing. So, let's say that it's at 40, the, the pulse rifle's at 40, and you are at 80 then. But then you upgrade your pulse rifle to 100, now you're at 140. And you add some upgrades to your shotgun. You are now at two four. You're at uh, two hundred. Then you add some modifications to your actual class abilities that make you better, make you faster, stronger, or more deadly. Then you get to two sixty. Then you then you buy a whole new fucking shotgun, and you swap out the mods. Let's say this one starts at eighty. Then you swap out those mods. So that's twenty forty sixty. So that's one hundred forty. You're now at like three twenty. And you are much deadlier. And you feel it. And these numbers actually correlate to the way you play the game in terms of your combat effectiveness. You really experientially feel the difference between someone who is, you know, 450 versus someone who is, you know, 250. It is a vastly different game. And combine that with all the different class abilities and the ability to swap out you know, different fucking abilities for different other things, and you never know, I mean, you can see directly with your eyes what weapons you know, the other people on your fire team have uh you get a very good immediate, experiential understanding of what the tactical exigencies and necessities of if you know the mission that you're playing 
you know what's gonna you know what you're gonna have to do you're you know who you're gonna have to support more you know who you can cower behind you know who to crawl to when you get downed and with that it's a bug hunt man it's a bug hunt game over man game over lots of people have criticized this game for being too simple it is not too simple it is it looks like it's short. I think it's short. I think it's about a 20-hour game, but I'm going to keep playing it after that because it's so much fun because the visuals are unbelievable! And they managed to really create in a small and simple way a game with real depth, I think, for people like me who love to tweak and upgrade and and try to, you know, finagle every advantage I can get out of, you know, my favorite type of thing... Um, there's lots of customization in the game too, there's visual customizations that you can do uh, and lots of collectibles and it's not that long but there is a horde mode that you can unlock where it's endless waves with your fire team and I imagine that is extremely remunerative so don't pay attention to the $70 price tag don't get the $70 version of it. Don't get the, del- the, dig- the, the deluxe edition. Get Just get the standard edition if you want to get it. It's $40. Bucks. Matchmaking is so great in this game that you will almost always find yourself preferring to play with other people who you don't have to talk to. You don't have to worry about shutting off your mic or putting on a shirt or, you know, fucking putting your dick back in your pants, Jeffrey Tubin. You don't have to worry about any of that. You can sit there whacking off with your gamepad, blowing the shit out of aliens. And it is... The other thing is the the lore and the... the, um, the stuff that they talk about in terms of the alien universe really draws you into the game. It's really cool, especially if you like the film franchise. It's another super value-added thing, and the voice acting is top-notch across the board. It is fantastic, and the sound effects are amazing, and the visuals are incredible, and the environments are actually surprisingly varied. Like, from uh, industrial mining ships that have been derelict for years to the surface of alien planets where you can make interesting discoveries. Uh, and every, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are four primary campaigns. Each one is three missions long, a beginning, a middle, and an end. So there's only like 12 or 15, there's four or five. So there's only like 15 individual missions, but they get very difficult. Uh, the difficulty ramps up very quickly and even if that's not enough for you you can start playing it on Intense which I did this morning before starting to record this episode of the podcast and guess what I lasted on the first mission in Intense Difficulty which they say uh, synthetics are not recommended for your teammates you know the bots, they're not recommended for Intense and now I found out why um this mission I can do on standard difficulty alone. Like, I don't even need fucking synthetics. I can kill everybody alone. Because I'm like fucking 380 now. I'm I'm pretty fucking good with my gunner character. And he's got this, uh, he has a pulse rifle variant. It's almost a sniper rifle. But with 12 in the clip. And it does just incalculable damage. It can fire. Um... 
So I can do this alone on Saturday difficulty. We all died within the first five minutes. It's a bug hunt, man! Bug hunt! Game over, man! Game over! Get you next week. Come on, let's move it! There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not about that. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there, I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.